Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I have some images to show you, and uh, I'll warn you, they're a little bit scary. Nope, not that. <laughs> Do you know what that means? No internet, that's right. Scary. You know what that means? Can you read that? No service, even scarier, and the scariest one of all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No Wi-Fi. They all mean in one way or another that this is true, that you are in some way disconnected. And if you're the tech person at your house, uh, what it means is you get to go on this technology scavenger hunt for like the next hour, checking all the things that might be disconnected. If you call tech support, they're going to ask you stuff like, is it plugged in? Yes, it's plugged in. Is the Wi-Fi connected to the modem? Yes, the Wi-Fi is connected to the modem. It's National Lutheran Schools Week, and if you are over at the school and you see any of these things, you know that it's time to call Mrs. Griffith, because she's our computer person. What it means is you can't do anything as a result of seeing these icons. You're in trouble because you can't do the stuff that you would normally be doing. You can't do things like watch TV. You can't do things like cook. If you find your recipes online, you can't cook. Uh, you can't do stuff like that away from the internet. You can't make phone calls. And you usually, if you're anything like me, you usually try to troubleshoot that stuff right away because when you're disconnected, it's paralyzing. You can't really do anything. And really, that's Jesus' point from John chapter 15. Here's verse 5. This is what he says. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're anything like me, being disconnected is not a fun experience. It's pretty frustrating. And when you can't figure out what the problem is, when you can't figure out where the disconnection is, it's even more frustrating because you can't do anything and you can't do anything about the fact that you can't do anything. And that's what being disconnected from God is like. See, way back in the Garden of Eden, that's where all of this disconnection happened. When our first parents sinned, it pulled the plug. Human beings got disconnected from God. And so here's where it is in Genesis chapter 3. It's verse 8. They've, they've just eaten, you remember the story, they've just eaten the forbidden fruit, the fruit that they're not supposed to eat. And here's what happens. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they're hiding as a result of having done what they were forbidden to do. They're hiding as a result of their sin. And that picture shows us something. It shows us something about what sin does. It isolates. It separates. It disconnects us from our God. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those are the words of Jesus. You know what happens to branches? That are, that are disconnected from the vine? Of course you do. If you've ever trimmed hedges at your house, you know exactly what happens. They fall off. They bear no fruit. And eventually, they're destroyed. That's what happens to branches that are disconnected from their vines, and that's what happens to sinners that are disconnected from their God. We are destined 
as sinful people, if we are disconnected from God, we are destined for loneliness and isolation one way or the other. And here's why. The, the reason why is anything that you find connection and relationship and companionship with outside of God is ultimately one day, it's going to fail you. It happens in our life sometimes. You know, clubs disband, right? Friends, friendships break up. Family members move away. And none of those things are bad things. Clubs aren't bad. Family members aren't bad. Friends aren't bad. None of that's bad stuff. But none of it's eternal stuff either. And that's the point. That's the problem. Even if those things never leave you, never fail you in this life, none of them, not one of them carries with you through death. They all ultimately leave you alone because even if they wanted to go there with you, they can't. There's only one who can. And that's part of the point of our gospel. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we have no ultimate hope. Disconnected from God, we have no ultimate hope. And that's why Jesus comes. That's why he's here. That's why he, he, he comes to die, to reconnect us to God. You know where our gospel reading happens, John 15? You know where that happens? Jesus is in the upper room, which means it is the night before he dies. He's talking to his disciples in the upper room the night before the crucifixion. Not long after that, he's going to be betrayed. And not long after that, he's going to be on the cross, and he's going there for them, the disciples that he's talking to about being connected to God. He's going there for them. And not just them, he's going there for us too. He's going there for me. He's going there for you. And what happens on the cross is that he is cut off from the Father. Remember what he says? My God, my God, why have you, what? Forsaken me. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me alone? Why have you disconnected yourself from me, God? And you know what the, we call it the cry of dereliction sometimes. You know what the answer is to that? To the question Jesus asks? Why have you forsaken me? For you. For me. That's why. That's the answer to the question. To why was Jesus left alone on the cross? For us. For the disconnected and the sinful people in the world. Jesus dies alone so that you won't have to. Jesus lives out the wrath of God so that you won't have to. Jesus is disconnected from the Father so that we, the, the, the branches that have no life apart from our vine, will always be connected to the Father through the Son. And that connection is the most important thing in our life. That connection is the thing that Jesus dies for. And at your baptism, that's when your reconnection happens. Because when you're baptized, you're baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus so that his separation of the Father means you will never have, have it. At your baptism, you're reconnected. And reconnection, reconnection is a really good feeling. You've been through blackouts before. I have too. Anytime we have a blackout, I always look forward, and I think we all do, to the time when all the lights come back on. And it's that moment, it's not just having the lights back on, it's that moment that I really look forward to. Because it it's an exciting thing when that happens, right? If you're anything like me at my house, the TV will start blaring because I'll forget that I, didn't have it, uh, that I hadn't turned it off after the power went out. 
And all kinds of other stuff happens too. Your phones start charging, your appliances were back to life. Everything works again. And rooms that were filled with darkness, light just floods into all of it. And it means that you can do stuff. It's a great moment when that happens. I want to cheer usually when that happens. And, you know, as a side note, there's some reason that maybe we should, because when our lights come back on, it means that people have been working out in the cold to make sure that's true. And if you're one of those people that works out alignment or something like that, thank you very much for the work that you do, especially at seasons like this. It brings those moments to us. It reconnects us to our power source. And we get that moment of reconnection, and that's an exciting moment. It's a moment to be celebrated. It's a moment that in your spiritual life happens in your baptism. You are reconnected to the Father. You are filled with the energy of the Holy Spirit. You are filled with new life in the family of God, connected to Jesus, connected to the vine himself. You can do stuff again. That's what Jesus says in John 15. You can do stuff again. And so what does life look like when you're connected to the vine? I mean, Jesus says we can do stuff again. He says, apart from me, we can do nothing. But what are you supposed to do? And here's the thing. Jesus tells us a a little later in the chapter, the end verses of our reading for today. This is John uh, 15, starting at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to love one another. And not just love one another, love one another by laying down our lives for others. Love one another the way that Jesus loved you, self-sacrificially. Love one another because Jesus loved you and died for you. And that's the kind of love that I really think you can only get and only live out when you're connected to the vine. It's the kind of love you can only really live out when you know it's been done for you as well. Sin wrecks that too, by the way. Sin not only disconnects us from God, it disconnects us also from the people who are around us. So this is a couple verses later, Genesis 3, 11 through 12. So God finds him, and he says to him, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man, Adam, said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Notice what Adam immediately does. Immediately. He blames everybody else. He creates all kind of distance between himself and everybody else. It's not my fault, God. It's your fault. You're the one who put Eve here. And I didn't even do it. She's the one who did it. She gave it to me. So really, it's her fault too. That's Adam's story. He takes absolutely no responsibility. He starts pointing fingers. He starts competing with the people around him for who will take the blame. He creates distance in his relationships because of his sin. And that's what happens to us as sinful people. We do all kinds of things, not out of self-sacrifice, but out of self-interest and self-fulfillment and self-preservation, all that stuff that steps on our neighbors. Adam's throwing everybody else under the bus so that he doesn't have to take the blame. That's what happens in Genesis 3. How many times have you or I done that in our lives, in the various spheres of our lives, passed on our responsibility to somebody else, which, by the way, 
makes us adversaries, not friends. Changes our relationship completely. Eve, when she eats, remember what she does? She does it because she wants to be like God. And how often have we done that? Create a distance in our relationship that way by comparing ourselves to everybody else. You know, whether you do that out loud or in your head doesn't really matter all that much. It always creates distance in your relationships. I'm better than him because I have my life under control. I'm better than her because my grades are better, my paycheck's better. I'm better than them because I don't do this kind of stuff that they do. And you know what that kind of thinking does? Even if it's just in your head, you know what it does? It isolates. It makes you adversaries, not friends. It makes the people around you the enemy, not the people that you're supposed to love. But Jesus connects. Jesus connects. And when you're connected to the Father, it's not just that things work well. It's not just that you can do stuff together. Connection multiplies connection. My older son is really into VR. He likes to, to play stuff on VR. And he doesn't necessarily mind playing by himself. Every once in a while, he'll do that. But most of the time, that's not what he's doing. Most of the time when he's on VR, he's playing with people that he knows, people he goes to school with, people he knows from other aspects of his life. He can't do that when we don't have internet, when we see one of those icons up there. He can't do that. But when we do, it's not just that he's connected to the internet. Connection multiplies connection. He's not just connected there. He's connected here, too. And that's what Jesus does. He doesn't just connect us to the Father. He connects us to one another as well. And he does that all over the place. But you know where he does it the most? He does it the most in the body of Christ. He does it the most here in the church. He does it the most where we gather together around the word and gather together around the meal and gather together in fellowship or in service or in evangelism projects, doing the work of the body of Christ. You get further connected to the vine and you get to know the people around you too, the people you're supposed to love self-sacrificially so that you can fulfill the vocation that Jesus sends you out with to love one another as Jesus loved you. We're headed this week into National Lutheran Schools Week. It's a lot of fun when we do National Lutheran Schools Week because we get to celebrate the blessing it is to have a school here in our ministry where people can do exactly that every single day in everything they do. Our kids get connected to Christ an awful lot, connected to the vine an awful lot in, in the school day. It starts right at the beginning. They start with a devotion. Every week they have chapel. They end the day with prayer. All the time they're getting more and more connected and they get to be reminded of something really important. That it's part of everything they do. Whether what they're doing is math or science or reading or lunch or recess, all of that they do as children of the Heavenly Father. All of that they do as members of the body of Christ. All of that they do connected to Jesus and living out their vocation in the middle, by the way, of a community that values that and that encourages that and that demonstrates the self-sacrificial love that Jesus has for us. It's an amazing place. It's an amazing place for our kids to get reconnected. It's something to celebrate. It's a good thing that we do that. But if you're not a student at our school, here's the thing. We're called to do it all over the place and especially here especially in the body of Christ. 
Church gives us an awful lot of things. A church community gives us an awful lot of things. And one of those things is to give you a community that, that you're not just wanted in, you're needed in. So you've got a lot of vocations outside of this place, a lot of things, roles that you play. Some of us have families. Some of us have kids. Some of us have coworkers. Some of us have classmates. And those are all places that you're supposed to live out your Christian vocation. But all of us, every single one of us in this room, has the body of Christ. All of us have the people in this room that we're connected to in our faith, that we're responsible for as brothers and sisters in Christ. All of us are called to live out our vocation here to one another in a Christian community, here in this place where God shows his love for us, here in this place that we gather as branches to be connected to the vine and connected to one another through the love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus.